0: Welcome to Just a Phase, a podcast about modern parenting, episode 21. Book it.
1: On this episode, Drew and I will unveil a new regular feature for season two of the podcast. It's kind of like Cliff Notes for
0: parenting books. Plus, Whitney comes clean about the low of her last summer that she did not reveal, and Drew talks about how stupid his kids can be. (laughs) Forget it. We'll do it live. (laughs) Okay, your turn. Hello, I'm Drew Ludwig, father to three daughters, ages five, seven, and ten.
1: And I'm Whitney Crispell, and mom to two girls, ages two and a half and nine months. And don't forget, we might swear on this podcast.
0: So uh, here we are in the podcast, Whitney. What's going on?
1: Um, meh. <laughs> I'm at a solid like meh. I just am I right? I've had I, like I, I just. There's no, like, big thing going on. I just – yesterday was one of, like, the most annoying days as a parent I've had in a while.
0: Wow. Like,
1: I just – the girls just didn't want to go to to take a nap, and then they didn't want to go to bed. And I just felt like – usually I I can pull out, like, pieces of the day that are, like, mine, even for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yesterday it was just one of those days where it was, like, just solid – parenting but like annoying intense parenting like one kid screaming one kid won't sleep oh no I have to like basically tell one kid sorry I have to ignore you for a little while feel guilty about it while I parent the other child it was just like one of those
0: were you a gentle parent
1: (sighs) yeah actually I mostly was good job (laughs) yeah thank you true thanks (laughs) I actually do feel better having you said that having you say that (laughs) now Good. Yeah, but it was just so, I'm all I'm all right. I still feel like I'm shaking off like yesterday's like, blech, you know. <laughs> but we're, tran- so we're transitioning Viv to a big girl bed or we're trying to. Uh-huh. Like out of her crib. And Is she
0: excited for it? Yeah,
1: really? Sometimes. Like she loves her crib. Okay. My youngest her, her cub, couldn't get out fast enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Viv loves it. So I kind of, a part of me is like, are we just fucking this up? Because it works really well. She sleeps well. But now it's like. We're halfway through the transition.
0: <laughs> We've committed to and stay I the feel course. Like,
1: yeah, except Sean and I are both kind of like really lukewarm about it. We're this like, eh, isn't worth it. all right, you can sleep in your crib tonight. And then every once in a while, we're like, we have to move her.
0: <laughs> yeah. We need I mean, that crib. maybe the crib just needs to go away. Oh, but it can't go away because there's going to be a baby in it.
1: Yeah. Like, we got to get CC into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a whole thing. So, eh. Okay. How, I, how I are a, you? I had a
0: fun moment last week because um, – regular fans of the podcast will know that once or twice I've messed up the ages of my kids in the, uh, in the introduction, which is embarrassing. Um, and, but
1: totally understandable. (laughs) I feel like, I don't know.
0: So my middle child was doing something particularly stupid or immature for her. And my wife was having a long day and, uh, and like the middle child was imitating something dumb that the younger child was doing. I'm just parent of the year calling my kids dumb, right? Um, but the young kid was doing something that she shouldn't have been doing, but five-year-old would be like, oh, whatever. And the middle child definitely should know better yeah. and was playing dumb. And my dear wife said, you are smarter than that. You know better. We expect you to act, to be smart like the eight-year-old that you are. <laughs> And, and there had already been some, like, reprimands of, like, talking back and things like that. And she just gave this, like, meekly, like, i seven, mommy. <laughs> She's like, oh, Well, a man. seven-year-old should know better, too. And meanwhile, like... Were I, you, like,
1: dying of laughter? Well, see, here's
0: the thing. Like, I... It's, so I think funny. it was during a football game. So I was a disengaged parent. You're
1: like, yeah, yeah, sounds I, great. I was in
0: front of the TV, like, listening to all this happening. And I heard that, and I wanted to just laugh out loud. But then I would have been on duty. So, like, I gave, like, the quietest right. giggle that I could. It still came out, but it was <laughs> undetected. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so fun with parenting. So,
1: So. Did, well, I was going to ask you if you watched the presidential debate with your kids, but it was on pretty late. For it us. was on
0: pretty late, and my kids go to bed early. And yeah, uh, yeah. so we watched it. Yeah, I watched it. The kids did not. Yeah, haven't talked about the debate. The kids know about the election. They're
1: Yeah, I was going to check in with you on that, as like my friend with kids who are old enough to know what's kind of know what's going on. Do they ha- like as it's ramping up? Do they have any sense of what's going on?
0: So, uh, my kids go to ethnically diverse schools and like their friends that are black and brown, like know or into it or feel, I I don't know the right verb here, but they're scared. Uh, so my friends just know that Trump is bad and they know that Hillary is a woman and and not Donald Trump. Um, and, like, those two things are very uh, interesting to them. Hmm. So, they, yeah, they, but they definitely do not want me to uh, vote for Donald Trump. They they don't understand voting for a third party. Um, and, and watching the debate, I'm less likely to – uh, for a long time, I was a Jill Stein voter. And uh, I think New York is safe to do that, but <laughs> – after watching the debate, I'm like, eh, let's not take any chances at all.
1: Yeah, it's tough. <sighs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's, that's my kid's political engagement. So other presidential debate follow-up. Yes. And this is just personal reflection and not really a parenting thing. So okay. maybe we edit it out of the podcast. Okay. But we're going to get meta. We're going to talk about the podcast. Okay. I know that I'm no Donald Trump. Do I interrupt you inordinately? Maybe we should ask the listeners.
1: Yeah, we should ask the listeners what they think. I do not think that you do. I My sense, like, I don't come off of interactions with you feeling like, oh, like, I had so many things I wanted to say. I, there's definitely men in my life who
0: well, do I've, interrupt a lot. I've been that guy before. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've been called on it, and I'm working on it. But, like, between just being a dude and having ADHD, like, I'm very prone to interrupting. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if it came out in the podcast.
1: Let me ask you, were you, when you were watching that, was it something that you were aware of, or was it afterwards where you were, like, so there were a lot of pieces afterwards of women, or, or even tweets during the conversation, if you were following along on Twitter during the debate, about, like, yep, this is what it's like for women a lot. Pretty much every day.
0: So, I had seen uh, stories and heard accounts like that before of yeah. like, this is what it's like for women every day. So, like, that was already in my brain. And I definitely noticed Trump doing it a lot. Although, uh, in the moment, I mostly uh, chalked that up to like, I wasn't thinking about gender dynamics. Uh, watching the debate, I was thinking about Donald Trump being Donald Trump. And uh, he certainly mistreats women uh, and interrupts women, but he's also not very kind to men either. Mm. Um, so, like, he interrupted and splained the moderator during oh, the Oh, I debate. know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: so, I know. But, yeah, he was...
1: He absurd. Oh, I have one other thing. I went to the Toronto Islands last weekend. Uh, I think our very first podcast, that was my recommendation. Yeah. Um, but just to, for anyone who hasn't heard that, Toronto's like an hour and a half on a really good day, but solid two hours away from Buffalo. So pretty quick trip. And they have this little island city. It's a, it's a city park. Uh, you have to take a ferry, and it's all bike and pedestrians. And so we went up with the girls last weekend and biked around. And um, they had this amusement park that was closed the first time we went Mm -hmm. but it was open this time I think this is the last weekend it was open for the year but it's just this like cute little independent amusement park with rides that are you know like bumper cars and a little train that goes around and uh and it was really fun and it was awesome to to bike with kids and it just makes me really wish I did it more I don't know it's not very interesting (laughs) I had a
0: wonderful (laughs) experience so now I have regret (laughs)
1: That's a super Buffalo thing to do, it's like everything. All right, so there's actually one more topic that I wanna talk about, and that is postpartum anxiety and some of my experiences with it. But first, I think we should do something a little more fun than that, Uh, and that is to debut a new feature for Just a Face. So on a regular basis for season two, we are going to be chatting with Beth Simon about parenting and family-related books. Beth is mom to a two-year-old boy. She lives out in Spokane, Washington, and based solely on Instagram, if you follow her, you will be blown away by how many books she reads.
0: We talk a lot more with Beth and her family and her background, as well as some of her all-time favorite parenting books in this segment, so let's get to it.
1: Okay. Right, so today we are joined by Beth Simon, our podcast's new book reviewer. Beth is a former Buffalonian, now living in Spokane, Washington with her husband and son. She is an avid reader of books of all kinds, including those focusing on parenting and child development. Beth is going to be joining us on the podcast on a regular basis to recommend books based on topics, timeliness, or, you know, the degree of you have to read thisness. So, welcome Beth, we're so excited to have you.
2: I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: So this being your first time on Just a Phase, uh, let's start by learning a little bit more about you. So who is in your family?
2: So my family is my husband, Jim, and my two-year-old son, Porter. Uh, we moved to Spokane when I was actually 34 weeks pregnant, and so we are the only people in either of our families in New York. Uh, so we've truly kind of learned that concept of your community is your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm a full-time mom right now. Uh, And I'm loving it because I get to travel and teach Porter in a way that I don't think I would be able to otherwise. Uh, And if you want to follow our adventures, my Instagram handle is Mrs. Period Simon. Awesome. Thank you.
1: So I think for our first segment, I thought it'd be really fun if we talked about a few of your all-time favorite books on parenting or child development, Um, the titles that you you return to or you think about a lot. So what do you have for us?
2: Okay. So before I start, I did want to mention that no parenting book is perfect. I have rolled my eyes at least once at every parenting book I've ever read, even my favorite. So that's a really I'm not saying any of these are perfect, but... <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's a good disclaimer. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> uh,
2: so the first one is How Toddlers Thrive by Tova Klein. Um, and if you've read Parents Magazine at all, you've probably read something by her because she's in it almost every month. Mm-hmm. Um, How Toddlers Thrive is not a quick fix per se for those toddler tantrums and outbursts. But it gives you lots of tools um, to turn those into learning opportunities. Um, For me, I thought the most helpful part was about routines. Um, Klein argues that actually by having more schedules and routines, that our kids can be freer. Um, So for us, Porter is terrible at transitions. um, And Klein taught us that by keeping naps, baths, meals, even brushing his teeth at the same exact time, you can vary a lot uh, throughout your day, and then you'll have fewer meltdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, She also talks about why children shouldn't have to share, um, how we shame our children in words and actions, um, and how children want to be independent, but at the same time need us, like as their safety place. And that leads to that clinginess we all love so much. Um, The main emphasis in this book is going to be on uh parenting from a toddler's point of view so the reason that i loved this book and just that main emphasis is that i feel like i don't have to come back to this book a lot to kind of search through it yeah uh, it's just that you know she teaches you these techniques and then when your child's in the middle of a tantrum or a meltdown really just makes you assess like what is your toddler thinking what are they going through Um, what can I do to help them through this rather than, you know, sometimes at least me, it's like this, woe is me, like, what is my kid doing right now? So I really loved that about this book.
1: It also sounds really affirming in terms of like, if you had an instinct about something, like the whole thing about routines, and I I fully admit that before I had kids, I was, I was sort of rolled my eyes at family members who are really into routines. And then I realized how important they are. So it sounds like it's good to have like, it kind of backed up maybe instincts that
2: you had about it. I don't know. So it does. It kind of comes back to just instinct. And uh for me, one of the things is that what I call the Hulk mom moments, the moments when you really have like a breakdown, it's just really about almost like respectful parenting. Like the things that seem obvious to you, like go back to your child, apologize to them, explain why you were upset. Like those things come pretty naturally when we think about friendships and other relationships, but for some reason, can go out the window with children. So I really love that it is just those like little things that are pretty obvious and instinctual. So
1: obviously, parents of toddlers—that's who you think should read this—or parents maybe coming up
2: to childhood. Yeah, so I I read this at about eighteen months, but on the cover, it is uh, two to five. Is mm. the, the age group. Um, okay. but literally I've suggested this to my moms and mom group, like my husband, my, aunt, my husband has suggested it to his dad friends. Like hundreds of people have probably read this book because we like truly believe this has changed our parenting style. We love it.
1: Any uh reservations or hesitations about this S- title?
2: So at the end of this book, there's a chapter called The Fifteen New Seeds of Success. And me and my friends talked about how We have no idea where these like 15 ideas came from, but they're not (laughs) at all what we got from the book. Um, So we just kind of ignored that they were there and really treasured the rest of the book. Like we were like, this is not what we got. And if we were supposed to get this, I'm not sure I liked this book as much as I thought. So uh, yeah, those are. I
1: wonder if some editor just like, was like, oh, listicles are really big right now. I should just make
2: one. (laughs) I agree. And like, it's totally a book that, based on what, like, what, like we were saying, it's about instinct and being able to like get down on your child's level. So then to give me like a list of these will help you. It makes no sense in context of like what the book was trying to achieve.
1: Right. Okay. Well, that's a good warning. (laughs) I appreciate it.
2: (laughs) Yes. Okay. So what's Uh, the next one? So the next one is the read aloud handbook by Jim Trelease. And this is this, I read the sixth edition of this book. The original one came out over 30 years ago. Uh, every time he writes the book, he changes about 40% of it. Oh my um, god! Yeah, right for new uh, statistics and new research that he's found. Um, and so he creates a narrative of why reading aloud to children is so important, just just not at home, but also in our schools. Uh, it's not going to teach you, you know, tell you how to teach your kids to read, but it's kind of how to make them love reading. Uh, with those of you with young children, you may think that your children will always love reading with you, but around third grade, children actually stop wanting to read. Um, Charlize argues this is because it's when kids start having a bare course load and they're expected to read uh, chapter books rather than easy readers. So children are getting frustrated and then they don't want to read. Um, so, one of the t- key takeaways was that. Really, it's up to parents to model reading, just like anything, really, to our children. Um, And so by reading out loud, you can do that. But also silent reading time in schools and uh, with your parents is really important, too. And he cites a study that says uh, it's called The Home and School Correlates of Early Interest in Literature. And it says that children whose mother's main leisure activity is television, only 39% of children will enjoy reading. Oh, compared to 79%, will enjoy it if it's the mother's main leisure activity. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a huge difference. And so, if you're not uh, if you're not a reading parent, or it just doesn't come naturally to your family, there are tips in this book, kind of on how to get started, on how to do that. Um, and it's really important that you hook them before that third degree, or sorry, third grade mm-hmm. uh, age group. Do you remember?
1: Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no.
2: Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you
1: remember any of the tips for people? Because I, I mean, you said that and about the reading, and that totally makes sense to me. But it was also like a little bit hashtag yeah. hashtag mom guilt moment, where I was like, right, oh right. shit, another thing. So, but so do the, you, yeah, do you remember any of the tips?
2: Yeah. So the biggest thing that we have kind of taken from this book, because we're already readers as is, but Porter's going through a little like bump where he's not really reading so we've taken to reading while your kids are eating and um we don't we usually do eat at the same time as porter but we're a little faster than him so then we'll pick up some picture books and just read to him and we do find that he's super engaged and actually if you're having trouble with your kid eating as well we have found that he actually eats more while we're reading to him because he is more likely to sit there
1: yeah i i could see that working that's a good that's a good tip
2: Yeah. So and then the other part of this book is that um, so one of my hesitations about it is that it is really uh, research heavy. Mm. But this it only half the book is actually about this. And the back half is a treasury of read aloud books. And so there are like hundreds of suggestions in here from toddlerhood up until high school of um, good reading suggestions. One of the things he emphasizes is don't mistaken a good book for a good read-aloud book um and so these are ones that are kind of tried and true like will be interesting when you read aloud because a lot of books have lulls and get a little boring mm-hmm. um so these ones don't have that tendency
1: does he talk at all about listening to books do you know uh he didn't not no. that I remember okay no kind of put you on the spot there sorry
2: <laughs> he no, I'm sure that he did, but I don't remember that he did. Okay. Um, so I do remember that he had a discussion about television, but why he said television can be beneficial in like Scandinavian countries is because they often have almost like 80% of TV is subtitled. So it's actually reading while you listen. Mm. Um, whereas I think his argument was that audio doesn't have that same like reading Right. component to it right and the reading aloud is helpful because of the you know it's role modeling for the kids so right. then they're reading with you
1: okay <laughs> well,
2: do you do sense. a lot of audiobooks
1: uh, I not right now I'm now that podcasts have come out I'm like that's sort of what I've been devouring but I i just so one of my friends one of my best friends is a librarian, a children's librarian, okay. and she's obsessed yeah. she's obsessed with reading aloud and she yeah. when I've vacationed with her, we've actually read books aloud to each other like while we're driving yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that and it's really nice, but I just remember her talk she has certain um audiobook narrators or pe- you know
2: people oh, that yeah. do that
1: that she loves and she thinks really enhances it and she's always made the argument like not every book is a good audio book, and so I was just curious it's, if you had anything to say about
2: that. It- It's very true, because I have tried to listen to several, and this is why I've kind of given up on audio, is because if you really don't have a narrator who brings it alive, or is like a voice actor, um, then I'm never going to get through it. I tried listening to, um, what was it, Toni Morrison, I tried listening to one of Beloved, I tried to listen to that, and she read it, which Mm. I love her as a writer, but... I just got like 10 minutes in and was like, this is never going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, no, I know guess... that the author isn't always a good choice. No, no, no. So it's, it's hit or miss with us. And I actually am at the point where I want to try to do the audio books with Porter, like the CDs with books, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he'll quite get when to turn the pages yet. Yeah. Oh, then ahead. the only last comment about the other one is that he actually goes really in depth on his website. Um, which is www.trelise-on-reading.com. And you can actually read whole sections of the book on there. So if you want to kind of get the bulleted point version, or you want to check out some of the things, there's also a really great discussion about uh, dads in reading and the influence of uh, like, when children see their dads doing something, it kind of backs up that, uh, you know, they can be taught to do something from their dads, too. So that's Kind of a really interesting part of the book, too. Yeah. But it's that that book is or that part is on the website.
1: Okay, cool. Good suggestion. And then you have one more for us, right?
2: Yes. So Nurture Shock is pretty much different than the other books. It's not a how-to. It's the latest studies on child development. Um, Brunson and Marymount here tackle uh, what I would call more controversial topics on parenting. These are the things that are gonna make you feel like a fool for ever reading any other parenting books. Uh, so what attracted me originally to this book was Poe Bronson had an article in the Atlantic, I believe, on um, the inverse power of praise. Mm. And that article turns into the first chapter in Nurture Shock, uh, which just argues that children shouldn't be praised heavily because then they won't do things for self-satisfaction. Um, and so that's something we really believe in. So I was like, I have to get this book. It's going to like validate everything about me, which was like a slap in the face because that wasn't true. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so each chapter covers another topic so i'm not going to go into all of them but two of the other big ones were why white parents don't talk about race that one i've heard of yep and it's it's shocking in a way uh and then why kids lie um and basically the truth revealed in these chapters isn't what we would think so basically children do segregate among their own ethnicity if we don't talk to our children it's just not an obvious like My parents have black friends. We're good. Like, you know, it needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then whether we want to believe it or not, our children will lie. If the reward is good enough, we can't stop it. We can't change it. So this is kind of some facts about that. Um, So both of these, they, they were really difficult for me to like uh, read and just, you know, I kind of had that attitude. Like a lot of us do. If we just raise our children, right. You know, whatever that means. Like it's going to be fine, but uh, this kind of through a lot of research shows us that's not the truth. Um, and so this book is very much like the Malcolm Gladwell's like writing, but only it's uh, the parenting version. So if that, that type of writing and you need the factual stuff, this is, this is a great parenting tool, but at the same time, it's just a good discussion about, uh, conventional parenting and kind of where we're, putting pressure on ourselves for things that aren't really what they seem. (laughs) Yeah. Confession.
1: I've had nurture shock on my bookshelf since before I was (laughs) a parent and I have not read it, but I, I want to, and this makes me want to read it more.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it is really interesting. And I did not, I will say I skipped the section on the sibling effect because we won't have any siblings here, but I've heard that's an interesting discussion on sibling fighting um, as well. Um. But yeah, it's it's worth picking up and reading and you're gonna feel like I said, I feel silly for all the parenting books I've read that like, well, that was all bull crap. Like, <laughs> you know. Right. I will praise
1: my child with nothing. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you about I'm so excited to check some of these titles out. Um I gotta find Nurture Shock wherever it is in my house. <laughs> uh but before I let you go, I wanna talk to you uh just about your personal reading practice. Um You know, when do you find the time to read? You mentioned you read to Porter during mealtimes, but for you personally, um, when are you reading?
2: So I am blessed with a very good sleeper. So I get about two to three hours of nap time still. Mm -hmm. So that is usually where I sneak in like a chunk of reading. And then we do not have a television. So for us, my husband and I, you know, most people would probably cuddle up on the couch to watch TV. We're like sitting on our porch reading at night. That's nice. So those are our two kind of main times that I can sneak some in. And if by some chance I beat Porter up in the morning, um, Jim does breakfast routine and getting Porter up. So that's like my me time in the morning. So those are kind of three segments where I probably squeeze in maybe like an hour. So do you
1: ever listen to books too, or are you kind of strictly, you know, hold it in your hand right now?
2: Read. So I strictly read books. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not found that a lot of, um for me at least books on cd have good narrators mm-hmm. and so for me if i'm going to pay attention to something on the radio even a podcast i need like somebody who's really engaging and so i kind of given them up because of that totally understand
1: and that's why you listen to just a phase because drew and i are just so engaging totally. and now it's with you great. on board you're gonna it's gonna be even it's, more...
2: just, it's the dream team <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we are really, really excited to have you joining us um, in season two. And we can't wait to talk again about some more books. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much, Beth. We can't wait to have you back on. And now, Whitney, uh, you said that you wanted to talk.
1: Yeah, I wanted to just check. So last, the last episode, we talked about our highs and lows of summer. My low was the rat that died in my couch. Just still pretty low. But the real low is some issues I was having with anxiety. And I don't know, I think I just like, I, I must have just blo- totally blocked them out when we were talking about it our summer. But it actually was a pretty big part of my summer. Mm. Um, And the reason why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast is... I mean, I'm one, I'm the kind of person who likes to talk about stuff, being vulnerable and sharing is just part of my process. Mm-hmm. So that works for me. Doesn't work for everybody, but it does for me. And then, you know, more importantly, w- when we had Allison O'Connor on the podcast, um, you know, last winter talking about her experience with postpartum depression, uh, it really hit a nerve. We got a lot of great feedback. A lot of people said that it was great for them to hear somebody talking about it. So so yeah. So basically, I'm gonna just share my story and, and maybe somebody else can relate to it. So after Cece was born, um was really do I mean I really was doing fine. Um and then I would say probably in like May or June I started having these really intense moments of anxiety when I would be it started when I was like walking down the stairs holding Mm -hmm. her I would start to have these really graphic visions of falling down the stairs with her and her getting hurt yeah and that happened like I think that everybody has some from time to time like passing thoughts yeah has things like that but these were happening really frequently like multiple times throughout the day Some days worse than others. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then when they happened, I would have these really physical reactions. Like my heart would be racing. I would feel kind of nauseous. You know, I would be just like short of breath. It it was definitely something really different. And it so so it was mostly like around the stairs or driving. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it started to even be things like when I was in the kitchen, just like if I was cutting dinner, I would like imagine cutting my finger with a knife and... Just really bad, and um, so I I finally like just said something to Shauna. I was like, "Hey, I feel like I have to tell somebody. I keep having these like crazy, you know, effed up visions about harming my like about not har- about not, not about me to harm harming myself, but, but yeah. just like getting hurt or the girls getting hurt. And I just want to tell somebody that they're happening,
0: <laughs> right?
1: So he was like, "Okay." So we just kind of like monitored it, monitored it, and then those continued. And then it just started to become like more generalized anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. Like.
0: Can I interrupt for a yeah. second? Uh-huh. Is this like a totally new experience? Like that had never happened to you before?
1: Well, I'm an anxious person. Like, uh, like I like to be on time. I don't, you know, I get anxious about. But, but this like was a different level. It in the
0: body and it's. it's re- yes, yeah. New. Okay. That's all new.
1: Different level. And so then, the, so then they, I just started having more generalized anxiety about things that were happening and um in life and it was just I think as any person will tell you about anxiety well actually I don't know maybe my experience is just mine but it just was it was really inconsistent like sometimes I'd be able to just roll with the punches and deal with things and then Mm -hmm. other times I would have these reactions that were like so disproportionate to what (laughs) <laughs> was actually happening right you know and so like kind of the worst moment was on july it was actually on july 4th we were down at uh the cottage sean's family cottage and we were getting up in the morning to go for a walk um or a hike with the girls and we we're having like this lazy morning getting ready to go and i was like a big part of making the morning lazy like i was making eggs and like you know just taking your just time. taking it easy it's a holiday But then like all of a sudden I decided it was time to go and I just lost my shit about like the fact that we weren't going and just like had ended up having like this huge anxiety attack for like the whole morning about it and had a really hard time calming myself down and then afterwards just felt like emotionally hungover from Mm, the whole thing. It, It sucked. It really sucked and it felt like so that was a moment where I was like this isn't okay. I don't want to experience like i don't want to experience this this is not me so i reached out to um this counselor that i had seen a few years ago about something unrelated and talked because he just i had a relationship with him already saw him um throughout the summer and it was helpful but he also recommended that i get in touch with um my ob or my midwife and Mm -hmm. As people listen to the podcast know, I have a midwife. So I, because he felt like he didn't know much about postpartum and there could still be something like physiological or biological going on. Right. So I saw her and, you know, she confirmed that this was, I was still in that postpartum window. We did some blood tests and it turned out that I had some vitamin deficiencies and then also a little, I've got a little bit of a thyroid imbalance, which Mm -hmm. can lead to these mood shifts and swings and issues and so we're kind of we're kind of treating that now and I definitely feel like things have plateaued and also I'm getting further and further away from that
0: postpartum window right
1: yeah um so uh, the 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 second half of the summer has definitely been better and I feel like it's more in control but it was July was like rough (laughs) for that regard it it yeah so well
0: I'm glad you made it through thank you (laughs) so and it's uh it's interesting to see all of our podcast episodes blending together. Our I know, postpartum and our midwife and,
1: uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So no, I mean, and I remember when Allison was on. I remember thinking like, oh, like wow, that really like, look, like, I just remember thinking, wow, I didn't have to deal with that for right. Viv, and I just sort of assumed I wouldn't have to deal with anything. Yeah. For a second, and then uh. And then I was imagining falling down my stairs 10 times a day. (laughs) It was like, this is crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, if anybody out there is dealing with that, I would highly recommend going to talk to somebody about it. And did you get, you know, doing the full range of what's going on here? You know, mm -hmm. is it?
0: So, so you talked to your husband, which Mm -hmm. like I'm a, like just saying something is happening helps. Definitely, right? Did you do any like other like try to help yourself stuff like you know like self talk or like de stressing like yeah. meditation and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't do any meditation, but I did. I started doing yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did some. I like purposely made some time to do things like that, um, and then I talked to some friends who had. You were dealing with some anxiety and started tracking things like sleep, caffeine consumption, right. alcohol consumption, how they related to my moods, and then um, and then some self talk stuff, like when I was in the middle of those moments. Right. Like I, I, think at one point I was just like repeating to myself, like "safe, safe, safe." <laughs> You're safe. Yeah. You're safe, and it helped.
0: Good. Yeah, Good. it helped. So. Okay.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, I just felt like I I wanted to to just talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. Tell people.
0: Now I'm going to have to talk about one of my things next podcast.
1: Reveal yourself. Bear your soul.
0: I've got to get a soul. Not that I don't have a soul. I I don't know what it would be yet. Here's hoping nothing happens between now and next episode. Person, place, or thing. Have you got... This is a regular feature. We need to make it a thing. (laughs) It's time for the person, place, or thing, Wendy. So my uh, my person placer thing this uh, episode I guess we would call a person or maybe a thing. Um, Columbus Day is showing is coming up, and uh, that is a day that is just a weird day. Uh, I'm happy to get a day off of school. Um, I'm not happy if my kids get taught like that. Columbus discovered America, and like most of the mm-hmm. schools are a little bit more sensitive, but still trying to, like, figure stuff out. Um, so uh, in our show notes, I'll have a link to some resources for talking about Columbus Day uh, that are produced by Native people. And uh, the short, like, little encouragement that I would say is uh, just be honest and straightforward with the kids and, you know, ask good questions. Like, well, what were the people like when they got there? And, you know, things like that. So...
1: When- when i for the past couple of years now and increasingly so when i'm talking about columbus day with people i feel super self-conscious about even calling it columbus day thought and about... we don't call it indigenous people's day like other municipalities do but right. that's not what we do in the city of buffalo or in new york state or erie county but sometimes i just thought maybe i should just call it that or like fall fall day, fall Monday, you know, in, fall break in for a, everybody. In a
0: lot of countries, like they have holidays that aren't like named. At, like it's like the October bank holiday. Yeah, and there you go. It's like because the banks are closed, you know, and everybody gets a day off. Why? Because it's good to have a day off. Yeah. Right. And and we don't have to honor it. So, so yeah, I've, I feel weird calling it that. But like that's what it is right so I mean officially right and so like if you're not celebrating it you say that this is what people are celebrating and this is me not celebrating it but instead talking about it that's where I am Columbus Day Indigenous Peoples Day you can call your representative and tell them to change it
1: yeah we should all right good recommendation um so my recommendation it's it's a little preachy and a little hypocritical. Oh, no.
0: I was preachy. We're,
1: just a preachy episode. <laughs>
0: we've got these guilty white people on sharing a podcast.
1: So mine is public meetings. Uh-huh. And going to them. Um the reason why it's hypocritical is because there was one You're last night that them. I, that Sean and I really wanted to go to and we didn't. So I, as I mentioned earlier, we went to the Toronto islands and we had some really great conversations about the preservation they've done there. Not just in terms of like the actual physical buildings, but they've really protected it from wealth mm-hmm. and like the kind of homogenization that comes from just a lot of really rich people coming in. So it just has so much character and like. It, it I'm, I know there's a lot of affluence in the communities that live there, for sure. But it also just appears that there's there's still some people that are working class. Okay. For sure. And don't all have the same design aesthetics. I don't know. So, so, so what do so you want that, us to know so about that public led, meetings? Yeah. So, so that led Sean and I to talk about our waterfront in Buffalo. And I saw that there happened to be a public meeting last night. And we thought, you know, this is the kind of thing that we would have gone to before we had kids a lot. And we, like, we need to, you know, we have a lot on our plate, so, you know, I'm not trying to shame anybody or guilt anybody, but, like, we should be involved in this. Like, this is important, fam. like, especially as a family, like, who wants to recreate and use space and have spaces be, you know, preserved for our children. Like, we need to get involved and go. (laughs) So we were planning on going to this public hearing about our waterfront, but... As I mentioned, uh, yesterday was just a real shit day, and like the girls didn't sleep, and it just didn't end up happening. Um, but, but it's kind of on my list to to make it a point to be more involved and to show up at public meetings. And I don't know. Have you brought your ever brought your kids to public meetings? And do people take sympathy and let you go first because um, you have a kid?
0: It's very rare that I bring my kid to a public meeting. I did. I feel like I had a kid with me when uh, there was an Erie County legislature meeting that was considering banning refugees. Um, mm. And no, nobody, I didn't get any special deference having okay. a kid with me. All right. I'm so, not asking for it, oh, I was you just know what, was you curious. Know, it wasn't even my kid. It was my. I was with a friend who brought her kid. Okay. I was like, "Why would my kid should have been in school for that?" And my kid was. Wait, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, Yeah. bad memories. Okay. I. I. It's rare for me to bring kids to public meetings because those are so intensive and boring for children. I'm a lot more likely to bring a kid to a protest. Yeah, that is is more fun. It's still hard for them. Um, Agreed. But I. I want my kids to see me doing that stuff, even if they're not. Right. Directly involved. Right,
1: yeah. So maybe bringing your kid is is a unique challenge, but de- but I want to definitely at least make time for me or Sean to to go to those things and be more involved.
0: And if it's the right time to cause a disruption in a meeting, kids are great for that.
1: Crying baby, do it. All right. So Drews, we're going to put a link up for Drews, and we'll put a link up for mine. But it's probably just going to be a YouTube clip of a Parks and Recreation public <laughs> meeting because <laughs> Which those is are fantastic. amazing. <laughs>
0: So that's it for this episode of Just a Phase, and we are so thrilled to be back in your ears. Don't forget that you can subscribe, review, and rate our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you are listening.
1: You can find us on Facebook at Just a Phase Podcast, on Instagram under the same name, and on our website at Just a Phase justafazepodcast.tumblr.com. We'll be back in two weeks.
0: Just a Phase Podcast is produced by Whitney Crispell. Our theme music is... The uh, Urbana Metronica Woo Ya Mix by Spinning Mercaba. It is used under a Creative Commons license.
1: All right. See you, Drew. Bye. Bye.